People get nicknames for a lot of reasons, and there's a good chance most of them stick with you for life. A lot of times they're endearing, comical, or simple riffs on your actual name. When you hear someone's nickname, you usually have good memories, but sometimes nicknames come from a darker place. Our list today is the eeriest killer nicknames given to some of the world's worst murderers. Their names alone conjure up images of horror, bloodshed, and demented minds. Grab a blanket, because behind each of these names is a spine-chilling reason why. Hey all you weirdos, welcome to Crime Countdown, a Spotify original from ParCast. I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. Every week, we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling crimes, all picked by the ParCast Research Gods. This episode, we're counting down the top 10 eeriest killer nicknames. I think anyone listening probably has picked up on my nickname. (laughs) No way. (laughs) I feel like I've pretty much just changed it and made it my actual name. Pretty much. You know, it's fine. I get called Ashkel too a lot. Yep. That's from like one of my salon sisters. Ashkel. Ashkel. My nickname? I was trying to think about it and I was like, oh yeah, my nickname (laughs) through my life has been Peanut, (laughs) which is not intimidating and not awesome. No. But it was thrust upon me by my softball team early in life. And it wasn't like a nice nickname either. It was like, you're small and dumb, Peanut. Oh, you're not dumb. Yeah, I'm not. You hear that? (laughs) But you know what really grinds my gears, Ash? What's on the list this week, Elena? (laughs) I'll tell you. Here I am, not killing anyone. I haven't killed a soul. I've killed no one. Okay. And I get a terrible nickname that I'm stuck with for my entire life. Then you have these jerks who are just killing people willy-nilly, and they get mysterious and, like, cool nicknames that make it seem like they're cool guys. They do. And that's unfair, and it's projecting the wrong message, in my opinion. If you kill people, you get to be this mysterious person with a cool nickname. Why can't we just name them what they are? Like, BTK. Let's name him the Tap Water Walrus. The tap water walrus. Because it's a mustache, of course. I love it. (laughs) Or Ed Kemper, the co-ed killer. Yeah. That sounds cool. It does. The co-ed killer. (gasps) Like, he's not cool. Call him the big guy who hates his mama killer. Perfect. Just do it. Capture the essence. And we could call Ted Bundy the I'm a failed politician woman hater killer. (laughs) Yes. It's great. And, you know, I call it how I see it. You do. Well, I'm glad that we've cleared all that up. (laughs) But for the sake of this show, we do have to tell you the creepy nicknames that these turds got. So Elena has five creepers and so do I. But neither of us know who the other has. Let's start the countdown. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker. 
The Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, The Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. Search To Die For in your podcast app to follow the show. Ten. I'll start us off with number 10, the dating game killer. Tough break for the 70s show The Dating Game that this nickname exists. (laughs) But it happened because Rodney Alcala appeared on the show in 1978, and he won. Uh Uh-oh. But while finding a date on screen, behind the scenes, he was in the middle of a murder spree. This case is so scary. This is terrifying. So Rodney was bachelor number one on The Dating Game in 1978. Fellow contestants described him as a, quote, very strange guy with, quote, bizarre opinions. So already no good. (laughs) Bizarre opinions. Bizarre opinions. You never want that. No. Bachelorette asked what meal he would be, and he said, quote, a banana. Peel me. What? I'd be like, no, no, I'd be like, I'm not choosing you. (laughs) I'd be like, well, that's that for that one. That's very strange. Well, she picked him. So apparently that was her thing. Uh, Then turned down the date. So she picked him as the winner. But then she was like, no, because she said he was creepy. Yeah, you didn't get that from the banana joke, He said he's a banana to peel him. But like, okay, it's fine. It's the 70s. You're on a dating game. High pressure. But she was like, yeah, he's creepy in real life. I'm not into it. No, thanks. He was a straight up monster. Oh, yeah. He often told young girls he was a fashion photographer and he would take photos for a contest to collect explicit photos of them. That's so gross. Yeah. By the time he was on the show, Rodney Alcala had already killed four people. Wow. So when you watch the clip of him on that show, he's already killed four people. He's currently a murderer. And he killed three more after the show. That is so crazy. Blows my mind. And was able just to like be on that show and act what he thought was normal, I guess. Totally fine. He was eventually convicted of five murders in California between 1977 and 1979 and two in New York in 1971 and 1977. Wow. Jed Mills, who was another contestant on the show with him, told CNN in 2010, quote, the more time has gone by, the creepier it gets. That's so true. And they're still trying to identify people that he may have killed. Wow. Yeah. Because he definitely probably killed more people. He definitely probably did. And you know what? He's so dumb. He does not deserve the dating game killer nickname. Okay. What he should be called is Tinder would have banned me killer. Love it. Because he's lame. Here for it. Lame. Nine. At number nine is The Doodler. Ooh. Yeah. The Doodler (laughs) is an unidentified serial killer in the San Francisco area in the mid-70s. He became known as The Doodler because he would sketch caricatures of his victims to get their attention. It was his opening move to pick them up before ultimately turning to murder. Unfortunately, that's a good move because who doesn't love a caricature? 
I hate a caricature. All right. Apparently, Ash doesn't love a caricature. We I figured it out. <laughs> already have a big head. I don't need it to be any bigger. Okay. Anyways, back to the story. January of 1974 to September of 1975, the Doodler is believed to have been responsible for 16 murders and three assaults of men in the Bay Area LGBTQ plus community. Oh my God. Isn't that bananas? Wow, I haven't heard a lot about this one. I actually haven't either. Well, his MO was to hang out in a diner or a club and then quietly sketch his victim's face from afar. No, see, that's not okay. So he wasn't even like, do you want me to draw you? And also he's not like working as one, like when you're just like at like an outdoor market or something. Like if somebody's just sitting in public drawing you, no. Yeah, he's just sitting at the table eating fries and That's drawing you. Creepy. And there's a ketchup stain on your photo. <laughs> well, so then he would use that sketch as an icebreaker to meet them. Like, hi, I drew you. Oh. Then after their hookup, he would assault or kill them. I feel like if somebody just like walked up to me with a sketch of my face, I'd be like, uh, uh, uh. And I'm thinking now, like I would be horrified but then you think about it and you're like but you'd be so caught off guard your like first go-to is to be nice and, and you're it's like, also oh gosh, yeah, and it's also not an aggressive move so it's like i can understand why they weren't immediately put off by that you know what i mean yeah. like most of them were probably like that's just funny well and also i could see it being like flattering and like, you, oh, you wanted to draw me yeah Cute. so i get that well get this Police actually have audio of an anonymous caller telling police they found a body and that led them to an actual victim the killer himself? I hope so. I don't know. Let's trace it. Recently, investigators have put out age progression sketches with what the doodler would look like today, plus a cash reward. We gotta find him. We do. And we also need to rename him. We do. And I've decided to name him the not cool enough for art school killer. Love that. You're welcome. Deserved. Eight. Number eight on our countdown of eeriest killer nicknames is Son of Sam. David Berkowitz was in the midst of his late 70s New York shooting spree, where he killed five people and injured six when he left a note at one of the crime scenes. In it, he declares himself the Son of Sam, Sam being his neighbor, whose dog Berkowitz claimed was directing him to kill. The worst part about this is the murder. And the second worst part about this is that he nicknamed himself. Whenever they nickname themselves, I don't know why we allowed them to. When they nickname themselves, immediately name them something else. Rebrand. Yeah. It's like BTK. It's even like regular people that give themselves nicknames. It's never a good nickname. Yeah, just don't do it. David Berkowitz began his year-long shooting spree in July 1976 in the Bronx. After more victims, he was dubbed the 44 caliber killer. Oh. Which is a cool nickname, unfortunately. Okay, I'm glad you said it because I was it. going to. Hate it so much. He does not deserve it. No. On April 17th, 1977, he killed again in the Bronx. This time, he leaves a handwritten note. Mm. What did it read, you say? I did. Should I read it in his voice? Do it. I am deeply hurt by your calling me a woman hater. <laughs> I am not. But I am a monster. I am the son of Sam. I am a little brat. When Father Sam gets drunk, he gets mean. He beats his family. Sometimes he ties me up to the back of the house. Other times he locks me in the garage. Sam loves to drink blood. Go out and kill, commands Father Sam. That will never get old. That's so dumb. 
That is so dumb. And if you're so confused, dumb. we did this at a live show in New York, and that's the voice the lady used to <laughs> Because that's read the, the voice he deserves. This is the lamest dude. Yeah. After being caught and claiming a Labrador retriever was possessed by a demon telling him to kill, he uh, underwent psychological evaluation. Why? Which is probably a good idea. In prison, he became a Christian who doesn't want to be called Son of Sam anymore. He wants to be called Son of Hope. That's ridiculous. To which I say, how about son of nope? (laughs) (laughs) We love a pun. But you know what he should really be called? Yes. Because in another letter, he referred to himself as the chubby behemoth. Fitting. And I think he should just be called that chubby behemoth. Seven. At number seven this week is another selfish monster who nicknamed himself Gross. Ugh. A name that has haunted us ever since. Zodiac Killer. Cool nickname. It is. The Zodiac is the everlasting mystery murderer who killed in Northern California from the late 60s to the early 70s. Now, he got famous by sending letters with cryptograms to the media and dubbed himself Zodiac in a three-page letter to the San Francisco Examiner on August 4th of 1969. You can't nickname yourself. Stop doing it. It's silly. So, this is the Zodiac speaking was the catchphrase in his letters. Oh my God. And that's also silly because you're not speaking. This is a letter. (laughs) This is the Zodiac writing. None of this makes sense. So, the unsolved mystery aspect makes the nickname eerie. Not knowing who this person is means the name itself symbolizes the violent crimes. That's true. That does make it creepier. It does. He targeted four men, three women, ages 16 to 29, with two of the men surviving. Zodiac himself, though, claimed to have killed up to 37 victims. I don't know if we should believe a guy that named himself. I don't think we should, but I feel like his crimes were so scary that he probably did. Very true. The nickname origin theory is that it's the same symbol on the Zodiac watches. Now, the prime suspect, Arthur Lee Allen, owned a Zodiac Seawolf watch. I'm saying. Hello. Look at that. Another nickname origin theory. At the time of the murders, potential suspect Ross Sullivan lived near a stationery shop selling Zodiac stationery. All right. So that. We could have that. I'm going with the watch. I'm going with the watch. Arthur Lee Allen. Nobody said that he bought that stationery. That's true. You know? The Zodiac, though, seemed to vanish in the 1970s along with his letters. He had to have died. I think so. I also think that we should dub him the I should have tried calligraphy instead killer. <laughs> I like that. Right? Also on our list at number six, the boxcar killer. Robert Joseph Silvera Jr., otherwise known as the boxcar killer, lands here because if you know him, you hate him. And he is terrifying in his unrelenting violence. If you aren't familiar with the boxcar killer, let's walk you through why this nickname will haunt you from now on. Oh, great, because I'm not familiar. And you're not haunted enough. Let's do it. Seriously. By the time Robert Silvera was 30 years old, he was a heavy drug user, a criminal, and had killed at least 10 people. Holy. That's busy three decades of life. That is. He then joined the Freight Train Riders of America, which sounds sounds cool. Delightful. It does. It's a group that hops trains around the country. 
usually associated with crime. Oh, so see, there it is. Fun, fun. And then it's like, you have to be a criminal. You whisper that last part real quick. (laughs) So he decides to join. Sounds great. He's going to hang out with a bunch of, you know, fellow train riders. All right. Well, he starts brutally bludgeoning to death other boxcar riders across the country. Those are supposed to be your friends. Yeah, these are your bros. He primarily did it with an axe handle or a rock. And most victims were asleep, so they were completely unaware of his attacks. Wow, a rock? The most vulnerable. That's not cool, man. That's really scary. Now, before police know his identification, they nicknamed him the Boxcar Killer. But at the time, Silvera's nickname was Sidetrack or Sidetrack Bob. Love it. A name other transients gave investigators. So they were like, look out for Sidetrack Bob. Wow. Love that. One retired lieutenant says Silvera claimed to have killed a person in 38 states during roughly 15 years of riding the rails. He ended up going to prison for life. He did. He certainly did. Yeah, that one was scary. He's terrifying. And the boxcar killer reminds me of like the boxcar children. Yeah, the series books. of books. And I was like, that's too delightful and wholesome for us to have for him. Yeah. So we're going to call him the doesn't play well with others killer. I like it. That's yeah. all encompassing. What's your favorite so far? Whew, I don't know. What's your favorite, like, we renamed them so far? I always love calling Son of Sam the chubby behemoth. I do, too, even though, I mean, he called himself that, but I, I like that. that. And the art school dropout. Oh, love thank that. you. Thanks. Love that one. Not cool enough for art school. You're not. Because he wasn't. I can't wait to rename all the next five people that we have. Who's coming? I don't know. Who's coming up the pike? I just don't know. Ah! You discover their practices, seek their advice, and let yourself become more vulnerable than ever before. They have the ability to heal what the doctors can't, or so they say. Hi listeners, it's Vanessa from the podcast series Cults. Be sure to check out our four-part special on miracle healers airing right now. Meet figures from around the world who claimed powers and pushed remedies, but harbored more sinister intentions. You don't want to miss it. And if you're looking for more episodes on the most radical and deadly groups in history, tune in to Cults every Tuesday. From Jim Jones and the People's Temple, to Charles Manson and the Manson family, to Keith Raniere and Nexium, you'll uncover the unscrupulous methods used to turn bright-eyed recruits into die-hard believers. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Cults, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Five. All right, let's jump back in with number five on our countdown of eeriest killer nicknames. Starting off the second half of our list, the Night Stalker. 
Gross. Real name, Richard Ramirez. His nickname sort of sounds like a comic book villain, but Ramirez was named the Night Stalker during an editorial rump session at the now defunct Los Angeles Herald Examiner. This happened after authorities revealed a string of home invasion killings were tied to one suspect. Too cool of a nickname for him. Way too cool. Too cool. And it really does sound like a comic book, doesn't it? And it was already, it was used. Yeah, it was. Yeah, secondhand nickname. He deserves that. He does. His crime spree occurred from June of 1984 until August of 1985. So a good spree. Right when I came into the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this happened in the greater Los Angeles area and then later in the San Francisco area. So he was traveling. He was. His crimes are straight up nightmares. So gnarly. And because so chaotic. Like we always say, anybody who is going to break into your house and mm -hmm. not know what they're going to be met with is terrifying. And it's chaos. Absolute chaos. Just chaos. So other possible names at the rump session included, quote, the walk-in killer. Wow. Like a walk-in closet. And the screen door intruder. That one is the best. Why didn't we go with the screen door Should intruder? Should have gone with that one. I love that. And they wanted to call him that because he was really able to get into these homes super easily. Yeah. The screen door intruder. I think we should have done that. He was also called the Valley Intruder by the press when he attacked Maria Hernandez in Rosemead, California. But she managed to escape. Good for her, man. Good for her. Seriously. But can you imagine living with that? No. Oof. No way. Yeah. You know, the Valley Intruder didn't stick because after he killed victims in San Francisco, the moniker just like went away. Yeah. The Night Stalker was a 1972 movie and short-lived series featuring a Vegas newspaper reporter investigating murders committed by a vampire. A vampire. A vampire, you say. Ramirez cultivated an interest in Satanism, which became a calling card for investigators at the crime scene. So maybe he liked that show, wanted to be like a little Satanist vampire. There you go. He's just a TV watcher. And you know, we've already dubbed him something completely different. We sure have. We call this guy Stanky Chops Ramirez. Stanky Chops Ramirez. Because people that he attacked said that his breath smelled like, didn't they say it smelled like wet leather? Wet Leather. Like, picture that. Gross. Ew. Four. Landing at number four this week is Death House Landlady, aka Dorothea Puente. She looked like a sweet grandmother, but in the 1980s, Dorothea ran a boarding house in Sacramento, California where she murdered her elderly and mentally disabled guests before cashing their social security checks. Her total count reached nine confirmed murders. Wow, what a monster. She's the worst. It all began April 1982 with the mysterious overdose, but officially ruled suicide of her friend, business partner, and then roommate Ruth Monroe. Wow, so she was super close to this yeah. woman. Dorothea then gets caught drugging and stealing from four elderly guests and served three years out of a five-year sentence. See, that's always what happens. They get a good amount of sentencing and they only serve a little bit of and it. And it's like, you were drugging and stealing elderly guests of your boarding house? What? And that's the other thing. She only got five years yeah, for that? Yeah, that's insane. Well, her post-prison boyfriend also disappeared. And his body didn't get identified until years later. Oh, no. Don't get involved with Dorothea, guys. I guess not. I know she seems like a sweet, spicy old grandma, <laughs> but stay away. Ew. It won't end up well for you. Ew. But social workers loved Dorothea because she took in people who were considered 
tough cases. Because she's like, I can handle them. Yeah, she's like, I got it. I'll take care of it. Then investigators start searching for Alvaro Montoya, a developmentally disabled man with schizophrenia who was missing. Oh, great. This is going to ruin me. So, of course... They just sidle right up to Dorothea. They're like, like, hey, girl. Hey, girl. Good to see you again. We got to talk. Well, investigators noticed disturbed soil. So they were like, what's going on there? So they dug it up and they found the corpse of Leona Carpenter. And then they found six more corpses on the property. Whoa. So they found disturbed soil and then we're like, let's just look in here. And they found seven corpses that is more than you bargained for that's a lot more than you bargained for that is crazy in the trial victims were called shadow people because they were marginally homeless and didn't have people in their lives who would notice if they went missing they called Which them shadow the people? saddest thing i have ever heard yeah that's horrible calling these people shadow people oh because they don't have anyone like that breaks my heart so what is her modus operandi you ask Do you want to know what she did? I know you're going to tell me, but I'm a little scared to ask. Well, sweet, yet very terrifying, Dorothea would drug her guests to death. So she works in, like, the poison department. Okay. Then she would bury their bodies in her yard and just cash the checks. Wow. I mean, I want to say the nickname is earned, but I think it's too cool for her. What did you give her instead? I think we need to call her Grandma Bummer. Grandma Bummer. Grandma meanie face. Yeah, how about Grandma that? bummer. Womp stinks. Three. Number three on our countdown of eeriest killer nicknames is Grim Sleeper. Lonnie Franklin Jr. murdered at least 10 women in Los Angeles, generally sex workers, who did not get police attention. The murders were often mistaken as drug overdoses, and the Grim Sleeper nickname was coined by LA Weekly because Franklin allegedly took a break from 1988 to 2002 between murders. That's crazy rare. That is a very long break also. That's a BTK-ish break. I was gonna say that. Now, the Grim Sleeper name is eerie because it conjures up that expression, beware of the quiet ones. Ooh, I don't like that at all. I hate that one. Lonnie Franklin did not fit the usual profile of a serial killer because over 80% of serial killers are white and he was black. He was also a friendly yet generally quiet man known for chatting with like passerbys while working on cars in his front yard. Ooh, that's even creepier. So he was literally just like that nice dude from the neighborhood. Just that neighbor. The scary part is that the gap in his murders may not have been as wide as investigators actually suspected. I wondered that. And it's also against the serial killer profile. So it's like, maybe we do need to pay attention to that. Yeah, because usually they want a ton of attention. Exactly. Lonnie Franklin was also a husband, but he was unfaithful. And he often told his wife he was going to go out and get donuts, but actually he was just searching for the sex workers. Wow, what a weird, like, excuse. I'm going to go out and get some donuts. I got to go get a donut. Like, eventually you have to be like, that your health is going to suffer. I know, but... Darling, don't keep going out to get donuts. She's like, get me strawberry frosted. How yeah. about it? I hope he brings them home. He better. At least. Yeah. Many knew that he hired sex workers who would pose for his homemade porn collection, but they did not know that he also killed them. That's terrible. It really is. The police ran a so-called familial search of the database to find a DNA match with the Grim Sleepers. And Franklin's son was incarcerated because of a felony weapons conviction. So his DNA was in the system. And that led to the capture of his father, 
who I have dubbed the Nap Man. The Nap Man. The Nap Man. <laughs> I love that. That's like the original Night Stalker, how they caught him. Yeah, that's the exact same thing. Golden State Killer. Yikes. The Grim Sleeper is way too cool of a nickname. Way Most too cool. of these are, but the Grim Sleeper is like, ooh. We also could have just called him Donut Man. Oh yeah, Donut Man. I'm sad that no, I didn't just name think him of that. Time to get the donuts, man. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> that's what we can call. Him. I like it. I gotta know who's coming up. You do know one of the people that's. I need up. to know who's number one though. I'm thinking of one person that has a bit on the list, and I'm hoping you have them. But I wonder if it's the same person, and then we're gonna have to yell at the podcast research gods. Let's see who's coming up next. Alrighty. Two. We're down to the final two spots on our countdown of eeriest killer nicknames. At number two is the Killer Clown, a.k.a. John Wayne Gacy. Ugh. Gacy assaulted, tortured, and murdered at least 33 young males in the 70s. His victims either worked for his contracting company or he promised them work and money. But then there was also Gacy's alter egos, Pogo the Clown or Patches the Clown? Tell me why I find Patches the Clown to be the most terrifying nickname. Because it sounds wholesome. Patches. It sounds like that little air of like, Patches the Clown. And like, he also had like patches of dead people in his basement. He certainly did. Thank you for that. It's so scary. That's terrible. It is. Well, Gacy had an abusive childhood and claimed dressing up as a clown allowed him to be a child. Should have just so, stopped at that. Exactly. Just dress up as a clown and make kids happy. Have at it. The end. That's fine. Love it. You get it. Reclaim that childhood. Do it. Okay. Not how you did it, though. Mm-mm. John. Not the right not way. Good. Don't write a how-to. He would make his victims beg for their lives. I hate that. It's horrific. His psychiatrist suggested this was a way of role-playing as if he was his father and they were him at a young age. Oh, which gives wow. this the darkest. This case is like three onions in one. Oh, and really rotting onions. It's yes. just like the darkest stuff. Because the psychology involved in this is just like too much. Uh-huh. It really Real is. Real gnarly. One story involving John Wayne Gacy was a cop drove by Gacy's neighborhood, saw him in full clown regala, covered in dirt, and digging in a side yard. Oh, okay. You pass an officer, nothing to see here. Imagine seeing that. They exchanged some banter and jokes, and then the cop just drove off. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to throw a pro tip out here. So everybody ready for Elena's little pro tip? Yes, always. Always get out of your car when you find a clown digging in a hole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting always out of the car. I'm speeding away. That's a horrible pro always tip. Always do it. No, just, just go find out what's going on. No, put the pedal to the metal, You gotta baby. know, and then you gotta tell me about it. While in prison, Gacy created a series of paintings, many of which were his clown persona and really creepy looking. No, thank you. Johnny Depp actually owns a John Wayne Gacy original painting and other owners remain anonymous. I love that Johnny Depp is like, yeah, I do. <laughs> He's like, hello, my name is Johnny Depp. You know me. I have one of those. Makes sense. I always go back and forth with this stuff that I'm like, would I want one? No. Kind of. No. Is it terrible? Yes. yes. Am I going to buy one? No. Probably not. No. <laughs> not probably not. Do not buy one. It's a constant struggle in my brain when it comes to this stuff. No, that's so gross. Until his death of lethal injection in 1994, he maintained his innocence. Which is ridiculous. Don't know where those bodies came from under my house. Absolutely ridiculous. I just don't know. 
He told a reporter, quote, Why would I want to kill these boys anyway? I'm not their father. Why would their father want to kill them, sir? Sure, Jan. Okay. <laughs> okay. Goodbye. And you know what? Let's get rid of Killer Clown because that's way too, like, I can't. Yeah. That. Yeah. Let's just call him what he is. Scary. Greasy McPunchable face. Love it. The killer. Greasy <laughs> McPunchable face. Greasy McPunchable face. There he is. Call it like a see. Imagine it. reporting that on the news. And tonight we have Greasy McPunchable face in for arraignment. <laughs> I love it. I love it. One. And that brings us to number one on our countdown of the top 10 eeriest killer nicknames. Giggling Granny. Get right out of here Okay. That. Her name is Nanny Doss and she is nothing to giggle at. Nope. She killed four husbands, two children, two sisters, her mother, a grandson, and her mother-in-law between the 1920s and 1954. She really cut down on that Christmas table. She did. <laughs> Nanny was dubbed the giggling granny because police were taken aback at how much she laughed during her confession to 11 murders. I cannot even put myself in the mindset to be in that room listening to this old lady laugh her way through telling you about how she murdered her entire family. She is just lolling so hard. Wow. So in the early 20s, Nanny's first marriage to Charlie Braggs was a rocky one, okay? You don't say. Charlie's mother lived with them and they had four kids. So there was a lot going on in that house and yeah. Nanny drank to cope with it. Uh-oh. And that's never good. It's not gonna end well. In 1927, their two middle children died of food poisoning. Did they? They did, mm -hmm. supposedly. Then Charlie left with the oldest child and left his mother in Nanny's care. Why did you do that, Charlie? I don't know. And no surprise here, she died soon after. Yeah, I could have told you that, Charlie. Seriously. Nanny said husband number two, Harrelson, was an awful drunkard. So the coroner put down acute alcoholism as the cause of death. Is it just because Nanny was like, he drank a lot? <laughs> he took her for a word. He <laughs> like, was like, alcohol, dead. Can you imagine the medical examiner just shows up and you're like, he drank a lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> and he's like, okie doke. And they're just like, well, cause of death. All right. I'll sign off cool. on it. I'm going home early tonight for supper. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I'll put my John Hancock right there. Yeah, that's fine. No problem. Well, in reality, Nanny put rat poison in Harrelson's corn whiskey. Ooh. Right? Isn't that so gross? And it would be many years before she actually admitted to that. While laughing. While lolling. Yes. Now, Harrelson was buried next to his two-year-old grandson, who had apparently died of asphyxiation. How? I don't know. Two years old? I think it was Nanny. Come on. That's horrific. They're the cutest. They seriously are. I don't know how you do that. Ugh. Now, she soon killed more husbands and her own mother, not just Jeez. her husband's mother. Though she was adamant she only poisoned people who deserved it. Oh, okay. It's like, okay. Sure. Your kids? Absolutely. Your husbands? We their get mom, it, Nanny. Your mom? Everyone? And obviously she was doing this for insurance money. Greedy Gus. Her husband, Samuel Doss, another husband, was murdered with arsenic and allegedly had two flaws. He was painfully frugal and boring. There you go. So he deserved it for being boring. We get it, Nanny. He didn't laugh at her jokes. You know, Nanny loves to lol. When you're funny, you're funny. In court, she joked and laughed about the sweet potato pie that she laced with arsenic that she had used to kill this man. Okay, that's terrible. That's so scary. Sweet potato pie is 
awesome. And he was probably so excited. I would be psyched to eat that. And that is not right. And then you would not be so psyched. No. Well, nobody else laughed with Nanny. So obviously she put them on her list too, but she did go to prison for life. So that's good. Good. Get out of here, Nanny. Seriously. And I'm going to name her the failed Robin Hood. Yes. Because she says she's killing people who deserve it, but she's failing. But none of them deserve it. At all. What a countdown. The giggling granny is chaotic. Chaotic, and she (laughs) earned her spot at number one. Wow, I would say so. And all of these have like good, creepy, like eerie nicknames is the right way to say it. Yes. Because they're all eerie. Yes. They give you like, ooh. I feel like the grim sleeper is probably one of the eeriest. Oh, yeah. That one, the Night Stalker, of course, is just like way too metal for him, I feel. Yeah. But I think there were a couple... That I feel like we're left off. I agree with you. Can I say mine first? Yeah, you can say yours. Mr. Cruel. Yes. From Australia. Australia. You're right. That one is really cool and really terrifying. Yeah. Mr. Cruel. That's like one of the eeriest nicknames I've ever heard. That's the eerie nickname. That's all encompassing. Because it just shows you what he's all about. Cruelty. He's cruel. Yeah. And then, of course, BTK. You have to have it on there because he named himself. He named himself. And that's a pretty eerie nickname when you break it down. Do you remember the other nicknames that he tried to name himself? Yes. And he was like, you can pick from these nicknames. Like he came prepared with <laughs> I've like- I've written these down for I've you. I've written these aliases that you can choose from. Rip them up, put them in a hat and choose. The Wichita Hangman. Silly. The Wichita Executioner. Silly. The Asphyxiator. And my favorite Scary. one. The Garot Phantom. The Garot Phantom. I so wish they stuck with that one. They really should have. But instead, they went with BTK, Bind, Torture, Kill. But, you know, those were left off. So, podcast research gods, what's up? Hello. What's up? We both got you this episode. We did. But either way, this was a really good episode. It really was. (laughs) And we love you anyways. Well, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get a brand new episode delivered every week. You can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other podcast shows for free on Spotify. Spotify has all your favorite music and podcasts all in one place. They're making it easier to listen to whatever you want to hear for free on your phone, computer, or smart speaker. And if you can't get enough of these creepy crimes, check out our After Crime Countdown podcast playlist on Spotify where we've handpicked even more episodes about this week's stories that we think you'll enjoy. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if you like us, which I always hope you do, because hello, we love you. Because we love you. You can listen to us on our other podcast, Morbid Podcast. You can listen anywhere you listen to podcasts, or you can follow us on Instagram at Morbid Podcast or on Twitter at A Morbid Podcast. And we hope that you keep it weird until next Monday, but not so weird that you go ahead and nickname yourself. Not so weird that you earn a nickname. Do not earn a nickname. Mm-hmm. Mm. Crime Countdown is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Kevin McAlpine. Produced by John Cohen and associate produced by Jonathan Ratliff. Fact-checking by Kara Macerlein. Research by Ambika Chotera, Jay Cahio, and Mickey Taylor. Crime Countdown stars Ash Kelly and Elena Urquhart.